Welcome to Real World Theology Minisodes. On occasion, to cover some of the most important and most beloved, or in this particular case, most influential film in, films in history, we're going to record shorter episodes with just a few pointed questions in order to talk about movies that we think have made a huge difference in cinematic history and or in our lives. So, on this Real World Minisode, we'll be talking about Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. It was directed by George Lucas, written by George Lucas. I think you're starting to see a pattern here of what, how this film may go. But it starred Liam Neeson, Ewan McGregor, Natalie Portman, and sadly, Jake Lloyd. Um, <laughs> so who will I be uh, bantering with today? Well, from Real World Theology, all-star Padawan, Josh Crabb. Hello! <laughs> and also from Real Cathedrals, uh, someone who reminds us of a more civilized time, Alexis Johnson. <laughs> Hello. Uh, well, I'm so glad you guys are here. Um, oddly enough, not that this will matter a lot to the people who are listening, but a Friday night. So you can tell that we're obviously nerds. We're obviously ready to talk about Star Wars, even on the most social and, you know, whatever night of the week. So go us for being indoor kids. Um, so indoor kids, my first question is what is one big idea you take away from this film? Um, and so Alexis, I'd love to know what you have to say about that. Uh, one big idea. Well, not like I wouldn't say big idea philosophically, but big idea for star Wars that, Mm -hmm. um, I have, yeah, this movie was just like super big for me when I was a kid. So, uh, the the lightsaber duels, the lightsaber battles, just knowing how awesome they actually could be um, <laughs> compared to like when you watch like, <laughs> I'm sorry, like of course the, the original trilogy is amazing. No one's arguing that. But when you watch Vader and old Obi-Wan kind of just like barely <laughs> moving, you know, you're like, oh, okay, whatever. And then you watch you know, Darth Maul and Qui-Gon and uh, Ewan McGregor, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, <laughs> Young Obi-Wan. It. And it was just like, yeah, it was, that was just mind-blowing to me. Well, first of all, I don't care what anyone says, Darth Maul's lightsaber and him, he's cool. I don't oh, care. Yeah. But, like, he's legit. So just seeing, knowing that the, um, and I, I'm really into, like, Knights of the Old Republic and uh, the Old Republic era of Star Wars, so knowing, like, what it was like then and just mm. seeing, seeing that whole battle was just like, wow, like this is like how epic a lightsaber battle could be. It was so cool. So that's the biggest idea. Like I took away from the film originally was just like that the Jedi world was much bigger than um, you even thought in the, the original trilogy when things had kind of died off and it was like down to Luke and Vader and, you know, the emperor. And that was pretty much it. So um, <laughs> yeah, they, and Yoda, they... I guess Yoda was hiding out there somewhere and Obi-Wan was hiding out too for a little bit, but they, you know, well, we all know what happens to them. So it was just that <laughs> idea that the whole Jedi world and the lightsaber duels and everything was so much bigger than like you ever thought it could be, I guess. Yeah. And see, I, I imagine if, if Luke would have stayed on Dagobah, maybe Yoda would have finally got around to like, you know, like somersault, <laughs> you know kicks and all kinds of yeah. things like that with the lightsaber he just didn't have time right well he was pretty old <laughs> well but i mean the force was flowing through him you know it was his ally yeah. and he could have he could <laughs> That's still true he could still lift a x-wing i mean 
That is very true. Yeah. So, um, so Josh, what was one big idea you took away from uh, your experience with the Phantom Menace? Well, I think that the biggest thing that you can take away uh, from the the Phantom Menace is just something that when it came out was kind of like what everyone could say was the best part of the movie was the visuals and the special effects of the movie. Um, I mean, obviously the whole world is incredible and I feel all the technical aspects of the movie are way above par. Like, you know, obviously with ILM and everything like that, uh, it's the best that there was at the time. And it still hasn't really dated the movie much. There's, unfortunate since there's so much use of green screen some of it gets dated because you can tell there's green screens Mm -hmm. and stuff yeah um but uh the big big thing of that entire movie um it's both the positive and the negative in the movie is just the stunning visuals the great costumes the great sound effects all the great stuff that you know made lucasfilm and industrial light and magic and uh george lucas and his entire team uh, basically the people who built the modern special effects industry. So it's just, it's really cool to see those things. Um, and it, it's it's probably one of the biggest themes you can take away where you can't really nitpick mm-hmm. <laughs> that yes. much. So, because everything else you can kind of nitpick or just uh, tearfully cry about. So, um, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, that that's... It, it stinks that that's the biggest thing you can take away from a Star Wars movie, but for its time in 1999, it was groundbreaking. And it, I mean, it even swayed some of the biggest critics in the industry to just basically be like, well, all that other, you know, the, the poor screenwriting and the terrible acting, we can just throw that away. Cause I was just thinking, I watched this, uh, um, over two days, uh, yesterday and today. And, um, the, the Gungans versus the droid, troopers is completely cgi and that's a big deal that you can buy that entire battle because it's all cgi and if you can buy that and it's all cgi because there's been plenty of all cgi battle sequences even today that are horrible compared to that one so you know that's that's what i take away is like a big big kind of like meta theme of of the phantom menace Mm. so even though yeah, I like. Well, I think I like the point where you said that it's kind of its biggest detriment too. Yeah, where you know it's it's one of the biggest criticisms people have. Like, there's nothing real on screen, and lots of times you can tell because it's kind of silly. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is me slowly dragging us down into the cave of sadness for this film, <laughs> because I would say that with my one big idea that I take away from this film is that. Let's see, how do I want to put this? Criticism levied against George Lucas for this film usually centers around Jar Jar or the silliness of the entire affair or the the use of almost nothing real. Like I said, it was almost completely... It's like a video game. And by doing that... I think his reasoning has been documented as, you know, he wanted to make uh, a film for kids or for his kids, something fun, something light they could laugh at. They had funny, wacky characters in. And when I hear that, 
it almost makes me say that this is why I don't feel like people should make movies for children. I think it's a terrible idea. And I know that sounds harsh, but... And you're tearing down the entire Disney industry. No, no. See, I think I'm not, and I'll, I'll tell you why. Okay. It, it, I think it's the same... It's the same issue we had with Minions. Ooh. When yes. people make when people make a movie and they're like kids will think this is good, it usually ends up making a terrible movie. So if Pixar has taught me anything, it's that if you just make just make a story that is simple in arc but rich mm-hmm. in emotion, then it can work for kids and adults. And I think Lucas does the exact opposite of that in this film. I think that he tries to make something... uh, Like, if you look at the... Seriously, try to figure out the plot of what's going on in The Phantom Menace. And it's so complicated. Like, needlessly complicated. And then most of the elements that are thrown in are... Like, they don't don't make any sense why they're being done the way they're done. And so... Mm. You take this, it doesn't make sense, you're trying to make something super complicated, and then on the emotional side, all your characters are just cardboard cutouts. There's no emotion. I mean, you're told that you should have emotion. People are like verbally saying they're having an emotion, but no one is like having genuine emotions. And so he basically does the opposite. It's, and it's the reason that I get a little annoyed, a little peeved when people say, Oh, that Pixar movie. That's just like, like that's a ki- another kid's movie that's coming out. I'm like, no, that's a, that's an animated feature. That <laughs> I is, feel the same way. <laughs> you know, like that's for, yeah. it's for adults and children. It's for all ages. But like, you know, when we all went to see inside out, we're like, this is for adults at least, if not more than it is for little kids. Um, and so I think if George Lucas wanted to make something that his children could have enjoyed, if he would have made just something that was simple in arc, just like Star Wars. Star Wars is simple. Um, there's bad guys, there's good guys, and you want the good guy to overcome the bad guys. Like, it's not that complicated. Yeah. Um, you know, that's why they that's why they almost always cite Star Wars, A New Hope, as, you know, the classic hero's journey. Because it's, it's, it, it's by the book. This is not in any way. You can't tell who the main character is. I don't even know how kids follow it. So, and, and then you, like I said, you give nothing emotional depth and you just give people Jar Jar. So everyone hates everything. <laughs> and so the, the big, the, that, to, you know, to reiterate, my big idea is that this, this film kind of, in retrospect, showed me what not to do if I'm telling a story to children. <laughs> because it, it'll it, yeah. by trying to only focus on children i think oftentimes not every time but oftentimes you will not only tell a story that's inappropriate for children you'll tell a story that's inaccessible to anyone so thanks george lucas for not understanding for trying too hard basically um Sheesh. so yeah so <laughs> put that in your you know, your B-wing and smoke it. Uh, nice. At least he went nerdy with his reference. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, doesn't make any sense, but 
It's okay. <laughs> so if you said if you, I would have given you <laughs> points if you had said Z ninety five headhunter. Well, I was trying to think of something that looked like a pipe, and I think a B wing kind of looks like a pipe. Mm, it actually kind of does oh look like God. a pipe. Do you know what I'm saying? It yeah, kind of yeah. looks like a pipe. It does. So, uh, wow. So there, justifying, justifying my nerdiness. So there, uh, yeah. that happened. Um, okay, okay. So my other question for you guys, and this is where I hope. The, the rubber really meets the road. And I think we can be a lot more positive about the film. Mm. A film that, I, like I said, I think in retrospect, not a lot of people are positive on, except for people who came to Star Wars through the prequels. Mm. And that's, what has this film meant to you personally? And <clears throat> this time, Josh, uh, start us off with this one. What, what, what has uh, episode one, The Phantom Menace, meant to you on a personal mm. level? Well, I think that The Phantom Menace, on a personal level for me, I mean, this movie came out when I was in high school, uh, early high school. Mm -hmm. So um, I think that movie caught me at, like, a weird time in my Star Wars fandom uh, because I was so amped for it. And I think that ultimately the the negative voices kind of drown out any positives that you take away from it when you're, you know, impressionable and growing up and what, yeah. 14 years old. So, you know, I always kind of gave this movie a bad rap, but I've, I've come back to it quite a few times in the years and showing my kids the Phantom Menace and everything. And, you know, my kids love the Phantom Menace. They think it's great. Like, That's terrible the, parenting. The kid... Can we all just agree on that right now? Jeez. No, it's not. <laughs> no, right. I don't agree. All right. I'm just picking with you. You are outnumbered tonight, sir. Um, <laughs> so... Um, and I, I just think that The Phantom Menace, for the longest time, I was like, oh, The Phantom Menace is my least favorite of the movies. And having returned to them recently over the past couple of years, and, um, you know, this movie actually kind of kind of fights with the episode three for my favorite of the prequel movies. Um, just in the fact that this movie, more than the other two uh, just kind of speeds along, in my opinion. Like, I, I very much can get to every scene, and I'm like, ah, I'll keep watching this, because I like it, and it looks good. Uh, whereas in 2, that is definitely not the case. And in 3, I think it's so action-packed that you can't help but enjoy it, um, even though it still has Hayden Christensen. I think that, ugh, I, I don't, I don't like, I feel like the prequels failed somewhat because of Hayden Christensen, so... Um, that, that's what I don't like about the prequels that much, but, um, this has meant more to me than I thought, even though, even though I will say if you go by, um, if you go by like the machete viewing, you don't even watch episode one. And it's kind of funny because when you get to the end of episode one, you're kind of like, yeah, I can see why you wouldn't need to watch this movie. Yeah. Nothing. Like it doesn't, it doesn't really fit into the arc that much of Darth Vader that much i mean all it really does is go like "Ooh, the emperor is bad and it's this guy and maybe um, it may be this guy and they made the terrible choice of getting rid of darth maul which is i mean technically from a canonical standpoint darth maul was not dead after this movie uh just for those of you who don't know that um <laughs> but uh if you watch the clone wars one of the best arcs is when darth maul returns um the animated series that they did in the late 2010s and uh or the late 2000s and 2010s um yeah sorry about that (laughs) anyways uh you've had years to catch up on it well actually not that long only a couple but anyways um 
so you know this movie what it means to me is that it's a lot better than i remember it being when i've returned to it as an adult and it it gets a bad rap and i don't think it deserves quite the bad rap that it gets don't get me wrong it doesn't even come close to touching the original trilogy um and if i'm being really super positive it's not going to touch episode seven either mm-hmm. so but um that's kind of what it means to me is it's like wait and i sort of it sort of has a place in my heart i'm fine with that i, so I know you're fine with you, that you, you have, have my be. approval that you were not seeking wow so congratulations <laughs> Oh my gosh! <laughs> well, no. So that's what I love about this question because every every film can affect people on a different level. <coughs> it, it's amazing how much I can connect with bad movies if they come along at the right time. Mm, yeah, and mm-hmm. I don't say that just to to make a point about this film. It's just that even in that case, that could happen. So I, I completely understand why people like certain movies even if it's not rational or even if, you know, they have to defend it. And I think that's the thing. I think they shouldn't actually really try to defend it that much. I think people like what they like. I think there's only a few times when you should really be surprised that you like something. And that's when stuff, uh, it's not just poorly made, but it, it would have to be like made for, I don't want to just jump to the porn example because that always seems like a very, uh, you know, stereotypical kind of answer. It's like, it's like basically like the Hitler answer for movies. <laughs> yeah. No You're like, at least it's not porn. At least I'm, at least he's not Hitler, you know, kind of things like that. Uh, but yeah, there are very few things that I think people should defend as much as they typically do. Mm. Uh, and just realize that there's a reason, which is why when you disagree with someone about something, especially personally liking a movie so much, I think instead of arguing about, whose movie is better or why someone shouldn't like that movie at all. I think the best question to ask is why. Mm-hmm. So anyway, it's why it's one of the questions that I wanted to ask um, in this, in this series a lot and why I will ask it again right now to Alexis. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I was just listening. Uh, so Josh and I were actually the same age. And so both 14 when this movie came out and I had, the same feeling I must where have been I was 15 then because I'm 31. So sorry. Oh, about you're that. 31. Oh, I thought yeah. we were the same age. I okay. just no. I I uh, I, my, I I did not major in math. No, no. I oh. always I always assume Josh is a couple years younger than he says he is too. So that might be my fault. <laughs> that's hilarious. Well, I thought I just I kind of misunderstood the conversation from earlier. Anyway, so that's okay. Either way, close to the same age when this movie came out. But I was 14, and um, I really. I grew up with Star Wars, so that's a good example of what we were talking about with children uh, watching movies. I grew up, I watched the original trilogy when I was like five years old to ten, and I was in love with Han Solo, and I was just like, this is my favorite thing ever, loved it. Watched it a (laughs) hundred times over and over. I was so super stoked for Phantom Menace when it came out, and I actually really liked it when it came out. I didn't hear, I didn't have a lot of negative feedback, I didn't hear reviews from people, um... I just kind of went and I just enjoyed it as a kid and I and I did really like it. And I think what it, like what we were talking about earlier is the the effects and the way that the world was just really intricate and just kind of like wonderful to watch 
And also, I'm devoted to the mythology of Star Wars, and I had read books and stuff, and I started reading books when I was about 13 in, in the Star Wars series. And then, of course, as the, the prequels went on, I read more and more and just kind of really fell into it. So I was devoted to the mythology, so I really, really liked it. Um, and then just being drawn in by the whole... I just I love the Jedi, and I loved getting to see Qui-Gon and the Jedi Council and young Obi-Wan was probably the thing I was most psyched about because I was like, oh, he's so cute. Like had a major crush on him, you know, like any, <laughs> any girl theme. who, any girl who saw episode one, don't though they're lying if they say they didn't have a crush on him. But, <laughs> um, that was kind of it. But then, yeah, I have to agree that I think the thing, you know, I thought I wasn't really as annoyed by Anakin and Jar Jar at the time as other people were. I was just kind of like, whatever, like Jar Jar's just a dumb alien and Anakin's just a dumb kid. Like it didn't really bother me <laughs> um, as much. It just, I kind of tuned them out because I was more interested in other things in the film. So I was like, whatever. And, but Amidala's <laughs> costume, all that stuff. So for me, I have ma major nostalgia with this movie, even though I can recognize now that it's not all that great, but it is way better than Attack of the Clones, in my opinion, just because that movie makes me cringe like start to finish <laughs> other than I mean well Hayden Christensen and Natalie Portman scenes make me cringe start to finish and I have to agree that I think if Hayden Christensen hadn't been in the equation and if George Lucas hadn't gone all James Cameron on us trying to do everything when he's not really qualified um, like writing the script and directing and being the controlling you know person yeah, it could have turned out very differently yeah, and because he didn't do that with the first ones, really. So I think it's just you have to let people who are better than you at a certain thing take the driver's seat and really mm -hmm. go with it, and you'll get the best product. And I think um, he's, he's a terrible director because there's good actors in that film, and he made them so wooden. Like Natalie Portman doesn't really do that well, in my opinion, in these movies. And I don't think it's because she's a bad actress. It's just because when you have a bad director – it just really ruins it. So anyway, that's a whole other tangent, but that's just why I think they weren't as good as they could They could have been. There's too much control. But the thing I take is I do have a huge nostalgia. I remember every minute waiting in line for that movie. I remember everything about the hype. Like, it just really has a big place in my heart. Whether or not anyone else thinks it's good, I could really care less. But I still, <laughs> I love it for that reason. <laughs> Don't care. No, that's, okay, so, oh man. Obviously, I was much older when this film <laughs> came out. Much older? Like three years. <laughs> I was basically dead when this movie came out. Um, and it brought you back to life. <laughs> only to rip my heart out two more times. No. Um, okay, so I'll start it, I'll start it this way. Uh, oh, man. Duel of the Fates was my jam. Oh, that's... Yes. Awesome. Uh... I don't I don't know how many times I watched that music video or oh, trailer man. or whatever. Yeah, you know, the, it, remember it debuted on TRL. Mm-hmm. Wow. Like, for the, for those of you younger kids out there, you <laughs> might have no idea what we're talking about. Just like how weird is that that that, that happened? So you know. Yeah. So, in all, like I've always I've always loved movies. I've always you know, enjoyed film. I've always enjoyed watching cool things when I was a young kid. You know, I remember my dad taking me to see the first Michael Keaton Batman when I was at an age that might not have been appropriate to watch such things. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I've always loved film, but oh. I don't, 
Or let me back up again. I feel like I'm getting ahead of myself because it's making me so excited to think about 1999 and how awesome it was. The, <laughs> um, so I have had a chance to, you know, talk to teenagers now about film and, you know, film and theology and things like that. And just doing general movie trivia with them boggles my mind because I'd be like, Hey, what, you know, what, what do you think the highest grossing movie of 2015 is? And they typically can't think of anything older than like a month. They're like, surely nothing even came out this year. That was before that. Or <laughs> someone actually said the new star Wars movie. <laughs> and I was like, well, it hasn't come out yet. They're like, Oh, it hadn't. Um, and wow. I, I guess I, I, it's hard for me to to where I am. I don't say that to like really necessarily make fun of them, but to say that at the time I couldn't believe it until I thought about it. And specifically, I thought about this movie because before this movie came out, I had no idea when movies were coming out. <laughs> but you know, it wasn't a thing that I knew. It yeah. was it was something like when a movie came out and I would see a commercial for it, I'd be like, oh, that's out. That looks interesting. I would I wouldn't be going to websites or you know, like really paying attention to, to previews before movies, like, like anticipating something coming out. But when this movie was coming out, I knew what day it was coming out. I watched, you know, like I said, I watched the Duel of the Fates trailer video. So like, unending amounts of times I was trying to get tickets in advance. We was making plans with my friends to go see it. This was the first time that I had forethought about a movie. And... I was I loved it. I I loved going. I loved the experience. I was really really mad when they killed Darth Maul because yes. I was like, you just killed the best part of the movie. No kidding. Um, you know, this is a terrible decision. But for all the reasons that you guys have said all throughout this episode, the I mean, there were special effects that to my seventeen year old self or whatever, eighteen. I don't remember how old I was when it actually came out. The it was like the video game I always wanted to watch. I mean, it was the lightsaber fights that I never thought were possible. It was just, it was cool. And sure, I had to put up with a pod race that was incredibly too long that I had to sit through. And dumb aliens saying dumb things. And Jake Lloyd being one of the worst actors that I've ever seen. Uh, you know, all these things, Jar Jar at all. The, the entire Gungan race. Um, just, just being an incredibly offensive stereotype, uh, like all of that, just because it was, it was so dang cool. Um, and I, I won't forget that. And I mean, I was getting some music ready for the intros and outros to these things. And, you know, I, I got a copy of Duel of the Fates and I just, it was in my head all day and I haven't been able to get it out of my head since. And I'm kind of okay with that. Because I love it. And I feel like I have to admit that. So, uh, with that, I think we'll wrap up and say that we are all out of time for this minisode. But we'll make sure you can follow our guests who have graciously been here for this minisode, this inaugural minisode. Uh, so check Real World Theology uh, for the show notes where you can find their stuff. And uh, to all you out there, thanks for listening. And until next time, remember that story is powerful and entertainment is not mindless. Bye-bye. <laughs>